Hey, yo, Frasco, holy shit, dude, what a great time out in Charleston, man. Wow, dude, that was, we killed it out there. Whoa, dude, what the fuck, dude, God. Yes, this message is for Mr. Frasco. This is Steve Albertson down at Folly Beach Golf Cart Rentals in Charleston. I just wanted to tell you, we will be keeping your security deposit because I'm not sure what the fuck happened to our golf cart. But you destroyed the goddamn thing, okay? I, in my 35 years of owning this business, I've never seen somebody treat a goddamn piece of equipment like you guys did this weekend. I mean, the thing's missing a tire. The fucking roof's been ripped off. Somebody wrote, long live Frasco's wiener on the interior in some sort of permanent marker. That shit's not coming off, and I'm not giving you your goddamn money back. So we will be keeping your security deposit, and I am informing you that you and any of your dumbass friends will no longer be welcomed at my establishment. So have a good day and go fuck yourself. And we're back. Andy Frasco's World Saving Podcast. I'm Andy Frasco. How's everyone doing? How's our heads today? How's our heads this week? Um, summer is just around the fucking corner, guys. Do I have to play the goddamn music? It's time. Summer's here, y'all. It's time to get laid again. <laughs> it's time to get outside of your house and get a fucking tan. Let's fucking go. All right. What's up? Oh, man, I just got back from Denver, like, literally last night at 1 a.m. Uh, Charleston was a blast. I just fucking drank my ass off. I, I, I was on the flight just like, oh, I need to take a chill break. And then my... Uh, one of my close friends, Matt, picked me up from the airport and went straight to the bar and we got fucked up. But tomorrow's a new day, y'all. Tomorrow is a new fucking day. That's why, you know, that's why I keep telling myself. Every time I fuck up, I'm going to be like, tomorrow's a new day. I'm going to wake up and do this. Because, you know, I don't know. I, uh, it's not that I feel guilty for drinking. I mean, this is what I do. But um, we could always start again tomorrow. So um, if you fuck up or you feel like you're becoming a shitty person or whatever um and you really want to change let's change because if we have the philosophy that tomorrow brings a a cleanse and a new way to be if we're trying to be present if that's what this whole present idea is then we have a chance to uh not fuck up tomorrow so today i did it i woke up took a shower drank some coffee cleaned the house a little bit now i am ready to fucking rock so Let's do it. Uh, we got Jackie Green on the show, which I'm very pumped up about. Um, I always loved Jackie. We opened for Jackie when I was like 20 or 21, and we never really had a conversation. I think he was just overworked and kind of, you know, burning out. And um, I caught him on the on the tail end of that from a tour or whatever. So we didn't. I I thought I was like, damn, this guy, this guy's tired. <laughs> I didn't know what being burnt out was yet because I was you know freshly off of you know, freshly into touring. And I loved every second of the not sleeping and the fucking shitty gas station food. I still like going to gas stations and people watching. That's like one of my favorite things of touring is uh, getting out of the gas station and talking to all the truckers and shit. Like, howdy, cowboy. And they're like, who the fuck are these hippies? <laughs> Big old afros, you know, wearing our fucking tie-dyes and shit because it's, you know, day shows. I don't, just whatever's laying in the van I'll put on and um it's just fun to um have just kind of like a um 
you know, tip your hat to the people who are traveling. So shout out to everyone who travels on a daily basis. All you truckers out there, all you bands living the dream. Fuck yeah, keep living the dream. Um, speaking of living the dream, we have Red Rocks, May 27th. Um, we're pretty, uh, tickets sound pretty good. But, you know, I'm, you know, my, I don't, not my reputation's on the line, but, um, you know, I want to sell that bitch out, you know? I think we need, you know, a couple hundred more tickets and we'll be uh, pretty damn close. So um, if you're debating it, um, I've been watching the, the pictures and the videos of how they've been doing the Red Rock shows because um, that's a lot of people. I get it. If you're scared of, of the stuff and I get it, but they're really spreading everyone out through the whole um, amphitheater and it feels safe and it feels fun as fuck. I can't wait to do it. So... Um, if you haven't bought your tickets or are debating, we are opening um, a new chapter in our life, and we will be playing with um, Keller Williams and John Craigie and Kyle Ayers. Um, it's going to be fun, so go grab your tickets at AXS.com. May 8th, we have our one-year anniversary of the fucking dance party. It's been a fucking year. Holy shit. Can't believe it. I've been working with Relics on this dance party for a year. We've done 30 two episodes shout out to everyone who's been listening to that let's go my people my fraskets just dancing their ass off in their living rooms for me and for you and thank you so much shout out to dj sleepy for always bringing in the hot playlist and uh, shout out to my legs I, I'm, I'm impressed with my legs three hours of dancing every day let's go legs that's what i'm talking about so um come celebrate with us and it's mother's day so bring your moms on the streams and this is crazy how many people are watching. Last week, we had 400,000. The week before, we had 600,000. The kids are liking it, and I am enjoying doing it. On a, on a sad note, the shit show's over. Damn. That was a monumental... That was a lot of work, and it was worth it. I, wo I was watching the season finale of it, and I was, like, kind of crying because, like, God, we worked so hard on this thing, and to see things end... You know, I'm not good with endings, you know, I don't like, this is why I don't start things. This is why I don't start relationships because I don't like endings. And uh, even with death, I was always, I've always been afraid of death and ending. And, you know, I've been kind of getting out of that philosophy because, you know, it's inevitable. We all have to go one of these days. And um, so with those new ideas and changing my mind into thinking that death is bad, um, when it's not, it's just part of it, part of the whole experience. It took my uh, anxiety level of things ending. Like I'd always have like depression after a tour ended or if I had a project. So I've been working on how to fix that. So right when the shit show ended, I just started making my new record. I just like literally the next day I got in the studio. I, we, uh, I'm like, I'm my whole philosophy on this new record, guys, is um, I'm going to test myself. I am going into these towns. I'm going to Nashville for 10 days, um, riding with like 10 guys. And, um, then I'm going to Denver for a week, riding with some cats out here. And then I'm in LA riding with some cats out there and I'm trying to write, write and record two songs a week. If they're good or not, I'm going to test myself because what this shit show taught me was when we stop overthinking things and, uh, we just actually just do the work and do things that we think are enjoyable and we think are f nice and what we think art is and we stop thinking about what other people are going to think about it that's when you get the best results like even if people don't like it fuck it you like it 
So make art that you like. And um, I'm pumped up. I've, I wrote this killer song with um, Justin from Susto and Ryan Stasic and Ross Bogan and Kanika Moore from Doom Flamingo. It was like a fucking Charleston affair. And uh, we wrote a song. Um, and then the next day we rented some studio time and we finished the song and it's fucking good. And I'm not trying to blow my own horn here. Well, maybe it sounds like I am, but I'm really proud of this song and I really am channeling something and the vessel is open and I'm ready to fuck. So, you know, fuck up songs and I'm ready to make love too. It's been a minute. Um, so I got to figure out what's going on in my head. It's weird because I don't want to have sex with people like uh, that I like. <laughs> this is really, this is a really fucked up thing I'm, that I'm going through. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to be intimate with people I like because I don't want to end, you know, I don't want it to end because I know if I, um, you know, we make love, it's, it all disappears. So um, I tried that out. I had a girl come in to Charleston for a couple of days and we just hung out. It was awesome. Stayed for a couple of days, no love making. Um, and uh, I got to know her and it was awesome. So I wasn't thinking about my dick. Shout out to that. I'm fucking maturing out here. Let's go. Your boy Frasco's maturing in these streets. And um, yeah, it's, it, was, it was fun. But your boy is getting thirsty. <laughs> so I got to figure out how to do that because I, I got to stop watching porn. This is out of, out of hand. I mean, like, I don't watch it like all day, but you know, a couple minutes a day. <laughs> it's, it's like watching the same shit. So I might need to go back to therapy and talk to a doctor, not a doctor, but talk to someone about that. Um, other than that, we got June dates. Uh, we got June dates too. Those are pretty much sold out. Um, they just announced a couple of new festivals in August. Um, we're playing in New Orleans uh, June 5th for Hogs for the Cause. Then uh, June 15th, we head out to Wichita Falls. June 16th, we head out to Oklahoma City. 17th, Kansas City. 18th, Cedar Rapids. 20th, Omaha. Still not that good. Come on, Omaha. Everything else is pretty much sold out besides Omaha. What the fuck, Omaha? Let's go. Come on, Omaha. Get it together. <laughs> I don't know. It's so hit or miss with Omaha. Some, sometimes we'll pack that bitch out. Sometimes there's fucking 10 people. But that is touring. Um, 22, uh, Aurora, Illinois. 23, St. Louis. 24, Indianapolis. 25, 26, Columbus. Those are those sold out immediately. Kansas City is pretty much sold out. Indianapolis, bigger venue, so you I have more room to sell. And then uh, a, announcement. I don't think they announced that one yet, so I won't say that. We got Floyd Fest, and then we're doing a run in the Northwest. I know my Northwest people have been wanting me to play out there. I we have something confirmed. We're not telling you yet, but maybe next week. Uh, and then we got this fucking huge tour we're about to announce, like real fucking big um, that I can't tell you yet. But, you know, that's it. Um, but speaking of music and bands and stuff, Repsy. Repsy are guys. Shout out to Repsy. Supporting the podcast like pimps over here. Partnership of partnerships. Uh, Repsy functions very similar to a partnership with bands and agents actually, but we also act as an event producer for these larger agencies. So um, if you have an agent, you could still sign up to Repsy and uh, they'll, they will clean out the fee. Um, yeah. So, and it's also non-exclusive. They don't require long-term contracts. And if you do have an agent, like I said, it's 10%. If you don't have an agent, it's 10%. If you do have an agent, 
We will handle your private and small bookings for free, y'all. It's just another helping hand. You need that shit. They're, you're about to witness 20,000 bands all going on tour in the fall because <laughs> everyone's broke. There's going to be 20 shows to pick from. It's going to be a lot of work and it's going to be hard to get gigs if you're just starting to book your fall stuff. So use all the help you can get and hit up Repsy. Uh, put your band out there and uh, go get that shit because Repsy is never going to force someone to raise their prices or dictate how they do business. That's not it. You're a partner. You know, they're not, this isn't the Gestapo. Repsy is uh, a win-win situation for your band. So go sign up for Repsy at Repsy.com. All right. We got Jackie Green on the show. Jackie's dope, dude. Um, I thought he was an alcoholic and all that stuff and he wasn't, um, which I, uh, you know, I build these ideas of people in my head sometimes. And when I go into interviews, I'm like, so tell me about your alcoholism. Well, not, it wasn't really an alcohol problem. I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay. Um, so, but it was great to talk to him. He's a dad now. And he's, it feels like he's really settling into the next chapter of his life. And he's writing killer songs. And his fans love his live streams. And um, I think, it, I, I really enjoyed the interview. And, you know, I, when I talk to people, um, that I used to tour with that I, you know, I admire and stuff. It's really cool to see where they've been in 10 years and um, how every musician's path is kind of, it's like everyone gets their big old, uh, you know, their, their great couple years and then everyone eventually meets in the middle. And it's nice to um, see, um, see Jackie in the middle because it's really cool and he's a really good guy. And, uh, you know, he's, he's played with everyone, Chris Robinson band and, Weir, Bob Weir. Um, yeah, a bunch of shit. So I'm talking away. I'll leave you with this. Um, yeah, that was a fun um, time in Charleston. Um, you don't have to drink every day, you know. Learn from your Uncle Andy that um, your liver will eventually just say no devil. Shoo. And uh, we were drinking for a week, week and a half straight on my neighbors or my uh, bar bartrends or patrons, whatever it's, whatever the fuck it's called that, you know, were day drinking with me and they saw me slowing down a little bit. Um, <laughs> at the end, he's like, you all can't handle Folly Beach. I'm like, well, I tried. And I realized that I'm going to go, I'm in Denver. I'm going to sponge out my liver before I start making this record for y'all and I'm and making this record for myself because, uh, I'm really proud about what I'm talking about. And, um, I'm really proud of these songs I'm writing with all these collaborators. So are you ready? Let's have a great week. You're going to fuck this week up or not? Because I know you're going to fuck this week up. I feel it. I feel it in your heart. I feel it in your soul. I feel it. And if you need to get laid, go get laid. It's summer. You got that vax. You and that girl that you always wanted to hook up with during quarantine, they both vaxed up. Let's get it. Go get it. It's the summer of booty, but we're fucking condoms, you know? I, um, I haven't been telling you. I've been, I haven't been reminding you, but wrap it up, dogs. People are horny. The dogs are out. You don't want an accidental baby just because you're trying to bust a nut with your uh, neighbor or whatever at that local bar because you're fucking thirsty. Think it. Think it through. And uh, if you're not going to think it through, wear a condom just in case. All right, guys. Enjoy Jackie Green and um, have a great week. I think uh, we're going to have a great week. If we make that, if we tell ourselves we're going to have a great week, we are going to have a great week. So have a great week.
All right. Next up on the interview hour, we have Jackie Green. Um, amazing songwriter uh, in the Bob Weir camp. He's played with everyone, Chris Robinson Band and the whole nine. He's just an amazing, amazing songwriter, musician. Yo, Chris, play some Jackie Green. While the, what is that called? A dryer? It's a washing machine. A washing machine <laughs> makes loud noises. the man and we talk a lot about what's going on in his life now and how he has changed as a person ever since he had kids and it's, it's just it's inspiring to see jackie as a dad so ladies and gentlemen please enjoy jackie Green. bud how you doing How's, i'm doing great man i'm doing all right considering how about yourself yeah i'm doing okay too you know considering i considering, do you remember yeah. do you remember i complain but who would listen yeah i mean yeah. that's a, that's a, the, the point of quarantine is just complaining you, got, you have to complain but everybody's complaining so who cares yeah exactly <laughs> um do you remember um we opened for you in salt lake city at the depot 
The Depot. Yeah, years ago. That's got to be that's six, gotta seven, be, eight years. That's got to be ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, maybe ten years ago. Yeah, I we're old, dude. I know. <laughs> You're well, like, you, hey, man, why are you dragging me into this wee stuff? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm old as fuck too, dude. It's all good. But I remember, like, you were like kind of unhealth. Like, you had some health issues because I remember you on like a yes, like an oxygen thing. Uh, well, that well, yes, there was. I remember that was the tour that. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that probably would have been the tour where that what would have been a one-off in, in Salt Lake, probably. And I think we were opening for Rat Dog at the time, uh, Bob Weir's Rat yeah, Dog. Yeah, yeah. And I think I remember we were in Oregon, and I went. We had a day off, and I went fly fishing for my first time. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And something I somehow or another I ingested something like some something out there and. I got real sick uh, and I ended up, I remember being like, they gave me my, my lip was swelling up. I had like some sort of infection, you know, and oh my, my lip was all swelling up. My side of my cheek was all swelling up. It was like more than just like a canker sore or anything. It was like an infection. Holy shit. And uh, I don't know if that's the same, but the oxygen thing, I don't know what that would have been, but I kind of feel like that was the same did I have like a big patch on my? Yeah, skin? yeah. I mean, yeah. You that might have been it. Like that. The I don't. The oxygen thing might have just been because of the altitude. And it was yeah. Fucking me, but because I was wondering, I get that. I sometimes get that in in uh, Aspen and in Telluride. I have them. I have them bring out a little. I huff on an oxygen tank before we before we play. But and so that's like for me, like in the altitude, like that, just like a little security blanket for me. It makes mm -hmm. me feel feel kind of good. But on that, it's funny you say that because on that particular tour, I got. I got like I got fucked up. I got sick somehow. Yeah, tell and, me. Uh, yeah, I mean you've had a crazy. I remember life. that. I remember. It's funny you say that because I like I'm like remembering that. I remember, dude. I was in the hospital in Winnemucca, Nevada, for our day off, uh, getting like antiviral shots or something. <laughs> and oh I remember God. it was like I, I ended up just sleeping on the. That was like one of our the, one of our first real bus tours. I remember that. And I remember just like being so stoked that we were going to be on a bus. And then I was just all, I was sick on our like two days off, you know, I was like, ah, in Winnemucca. You know? yeah. <laughs> do you ever, do you ever suffer with addiction? Addiction? Any not type really. of addictions? I mean, not really. I mean, I guess, I guess I'm, I guess you could say I'm kind of addicted. You know, I used to smoke cigarettes. Mm. I smoke cigarettes. Um, I, I quit smoking cigarettes about five years ago, but I still have, I, and I used an e-cigarette, mm -hmm. and I still I still have it. Um, so I guess I'm kind of still taking in some nicotine. On the other hand, I haven't wanted to have a regular cigarette in five. Well, to be honest, maybe like three years. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Let's go, big dog. That's what oh, I'm talking you got about. The sound effects. I got sound effects. Yeah, I, I'm curious oh about. Oh my god, dude, you're you're a professional. <laughs> you got the sound effects. I'm growing up right it. in front of your eyes, Jackie Green. Dude, I love it. I love it. Tell, um, tell me a little bit about because I really I mean, I don't know a lot your... of cannabis, but yeah, never yeah. really. What about like? Uh, do you ever have like? Were you ever like addicted to women or addicted to like maybe uh, staying on the road or like addicted to stimulation? Like, and it doesn't have to be drugs. Yeah, well, I think that. Uh, well, I mean, to be frank, I think that I think that we're all addicted to stimulation. Let's talk about uh, that these days. These days, I mean, I mean, we're we're consumed by and consume media to an extent that's like, 
probably guaranteed unhealthy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it makes a lot of sense because we're creatures of stories. We like to tell each other stories and we like to receive stories. And so we do that all the time. And like, and we have social media. And so that's just a, a way of having everybody's stories in your ass cheek pocket, like all the time. And it's like, I don't know if that's good, you know? Yeah. So but do you um, remember a time when uh, do we're you all addicted to it because we need stories to survive. Obviously that's like how we make sense of anything is we need to, you know, so. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your stories. Tell me about how you got started. Tell me, sure. um, give me the whole, give me the inside scoop on like your childhood and stuff. Like what made you want to do music? Well, man, let's go way back. Let's yeah. do the way back. Do you have a way back machine? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> uh, kind of a way like a diddle, 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 like a scooby-doo like a i just have just moan sounds oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> we gotta find you like a, a you know a diddle, 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 yeah. like a little jingle that's maybe like you can play it on back. the piano <laughs> let's see uh. <laughs> I, can't, I can't hear it but um so i would i grew up i'm 40 now mm -hmm. so i I was into, you know, rock and roll bands like Nirvana and uh, Black Crows, stuff in the early 90s. As a young, almost teenager, uh, I got into high school and it seemed to be that, at, from my perspective, where I grew up, uh, which is Northern California, just outside Sacramento, um, it seemed like there was a lot of boy bands and sort of um, a different kind of pop music started to take over. And, uh, and I was like, I was like just learning how to like play guitar at the time. And I was like listening to rock and roll bands. And I thought I'm, I was going to get into high school. I'm like, there's, I'm going to be a rocker. I'm going to play guitar. Chicks are going to love me. And then like the, the taste just changed, you know, I felt like, and, um, and I didn't, I didn't really go that direction. So I, I kind of, I was, I had this love of uh, rock and roll music and, and it quickly turned, when I got into high school, it quickly turned into a love of blues music and, and old uh, American roots music, which is what you would call it nowadays. Uh, I got into my parents' record collection. Well, I'll tell you that story. As a matter of fact, um, <laughs> I remember I, it was a summer before I became a He's a freshman, I think my freshman year in high school. And um, and we, you know, you remember back in the day, you could watch, sort of watch MTV all day mm -hmm. back, back then. Yeah. And it was like, they would have like, at night they would have like adult swim or whatever. And like during the day, they still kind of did music and you would like, you could see old vi some videos. And I like, I used to like to watch MTV, but our, uh, we didn't, our TV busted. And inside, outside Sacramento, it gets about like 110 degrees for like, like a month, you know, on end, real hot summers. And so I didn't really want to go outside and play. And so I rummaged around in our basement and I found a box of old vinyl records that used to belong to my father. My father and my, my mother split up when I was 10. And uh, I was raised by my mother who raised uh, me and three other children. I've, I'm the oldest of four. Um, so I found this box of records and the first thing I pulled out was called the genius of Ray Charles. And I found this uh, little turntable 
crappy little turntable and I wired up some speakers that were down there in the basement, put it on. And and the thing was, let the good times roll. And a big horn section kicked in and everything. I thought, what the fuck is this? This is amazing. You know, and I'm like, you know, this is really, this wasn't, you know, guitar music, but I liked it. Whatever this, whatever this was, I love this. And this was uh, this Ray Charles record. And I thought, I'm going to listen to this. This is, this is great. And so I got, I really hit, I really hit that. I hit that pretty hard and I, I rummaged through and I ended up finding like BB King stuff and uh, Freddie King and Buddy Guy records. And it turns out that um, I found a, you know, a couple cool old records that way. And I went to, <laughs> I went to my friend's parents' basements that summer, you know, and I, I was like, Hey, can I check your basement for, you know, stuff that your parents might've got rid of? Cause remember at that time, like people didn't care about records. You yeah. Know? So I, I you know, I collected like, yeah, this little stack of records when I was, you know, 15 years old and, and a little cheesy little turntable. And so that was like sort of my, that was my thing, you know, like I had these, this old, I guess you would call old music, you know. And um, I remember just sort of getting, getting really into blues music. And I remember going to see a oh, sophomore year, actually, like I couldn't drive yet, but my buddy Ben could drive. Uh, Ian and Ian and Ben, Ian could drive and he had a, I had some crappy old Oldsmobile, and we drove up to uh, to Reno. I think Buddy Guy was playing the I don't know the Harrah's Outdoors or whatever, and um, I remember I don't know like we were probably the youngest people in the audience, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was I don't know. That's just I was into it. And um, what do you? What was it? What What did attracted you to blues music? Well, guitar. I mean, that's. I mean, I was I was kind of saying like. Uh, you know, I was kind of went from this this rock and roll guitar phase of of being a kid, you know, and also Slash and people like that. You know, watching yeah. that stuff have a lot to do with that, of course. And you you get in, you know, as I I got a little older and I'm trying to play guitar and trying to you know see what's contemporary. Like I said, it felt like the um, uh, popular taste shifted maybe a little bit, and uh, and I just found myself working backwards, I guess, towards these old, older older. Uh, geniuses and um it was the guitar thing and then and then you know and then the and i just got into it and i sort of reckon i definitely recognized like a you know there's a there's a connection between you know obviously between like the black crows and like and blues music it's you know so um started to see that and then you started to read the backs of these rolling stones and led zeppelin albums you're like oh who's willie dixon and who's you know like oh and you sort of figure this stuff out and then High school, we're in high school, and the age of the internet is upon us. And I remember <laughs> our school had a computer lab, one of the first computer labs. And, you know, we had like what Netscape Navigator or whatever. You remember that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember going, going in the computer, you had to sign up to get on the thing. I remember going in the computer lab, and I would look up all this stuff. You know, Willie, really who, you know, who, who was this? person oh he wrote these songs oh he you know and this is you know no wikipedia you just have to like find you know, just find whatever information you could you remember mm-hmm. this oh yeah and so um so yeah and so i mean fast forward i mean things got that information got easier and easier to find obviously as we progressed and here we are today but that's what that's what got me into it was just um find literally finding like a, a little stack of treasure of these little, you know, 12-inch records 
And that first one was, was that Ray Charles record? I remember it very distinctly. I've told that story a hundred times and it's like, I still, I still have the record probably. It's just, you know. I mean, it's, it, it's amazing because like those are your idols and then, you know, flash go another 10 years or whatever. Yeah. And you're opening for buddy guy and you're opening yeah. for Taj Mahal and stuff. So how yeah. was it? What was that like? Uh, finally getting to experience opening for your heroes. Well, it's pretty, it's kind of surreal in a way. Um, but on the other hand, it was like there was there was a lot of uh, like I remember being on, I remember being on the road with BB King for a little bit, and at the end of the tour, he said he he called me into his bus and he said to me, uh, "This is actually speaking of the health thing." He said to me, "You always got it was cold out and it was raining." He's like, "You got to wear put your coat on." This is back when I was smoking cigarettes. He saw me out there puffing cigarettes and not wearing a coat it's raining you know and he's like you gotta wear your coat because you you don't want to get sick if you get yourself sick you can't play the show if you can't play the show you can't get the money you know and it's <laughs> i'm just like oh that makes of course sense. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. you're you know what you're right and by he keeps he keeps his bus like a hundred degrees it was mm -hmm. like really hot on his bus i'm like oh man it must be the southern thing you know it's yeah like, totally. it's like, man it's really hot on this bus but any you know it's just it's surreal at first, and then you, then you have a little interaction like that. And you're like, ah, that's a human being right there. Like, he, you know, he's trying to, you know, teach, telling you like it is. You know, it's like, yeah, you do have to take care of yourself. You don't want to be sick. You don't want to miss the show. You don't want to piss people off. You know, you know, all that stuff. It's all true. Have you, you ever know? pissed anyone off? I'm sure I have. <laughs> I'm sure I, I've got him. I most certainly have. Anyway, mostly, any... mostly just my wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's fascinating because like, you know, as a kid, you don't realize like, I want to know more about like, like your high school and stuff. Were you picked on? Yeah. Like, did no, you... I'm not really. I was, um, I wouldn't say that I was picked on. I wasn't really, I wouldn't say that I was a popular kid. Cause I, although, although I did. I did start to play, you know, guitar and was into music. And that actually, by the time I was a senior in high school, I'd been playing guitar for a little bit. And that raised a few eyebrows, you know, around. But it, again, it was just sort of like, you know, the girls weren't necessarily interested in that at that time. <laughs> and um, But I was, you know, I got bit by that bug so damn hard that I didn't care. It was just like, I remember, man, I remember playing the first, time I first gig I think I ever played was I was 15 years old it wasn't even really a gig I sat in with uh, a, su a substitute teacher of at my high school one substitute it was a substitute teacher in our English class and he like played in a local blues band and he knew that I you know he knew that I played guitar and he invited me to come down and my English high school English teacher came and it was at some brew pub in, in Sacramento and I I sat in on, I don't know what it was like, Crossroads or some real, you know, cheesy yeah, classic. Bar. And I was just like, yeah, I was just like ripping the best I could. Over there. And it was just like the most exhilarating feeling, you know, and it was, you know, for 20 people at the, yeah. it just felt like illegal because I'm like a 15 year old kid at a bar, you know, or, brew, or this brew pub. And I'm, and it was outside and like I wasn't allowed to go inside, you know, when mm -hmm. I had to stay outside and it was, I don't know. It just felt kind of cool. It felt, you know, the next day at school, there all the kids were like, "You went to a bar last night?" <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> to a bar. Were your parents supportive for your music? Career? Oh hell yeah, they were. They loved it. They they loved it. My mom, yeah, my mom came down, 
And uh, my dad was my my dad and my mom had split up when I was young, but he was he started coming back around and before he died in 2000 and oh shit he died in 2011 and he he started coming back around when I was probably in high school late mm-hmm. later in high school and he he started coming around to shows and he was pretty supportive he at, at early early on like when I was a re- like really young I got the old you better have a backup plan, mm. you know, one of those, those numbers from, from, from folks. But eventually both of, both of my folks were just like, they saw that it, there was just something burning and it was just like, I remember distinctly, I told my mom, I said, I said, anybody who makes it doesn't have a backup plan. <laughs> I said something like that. Yeah, true. And I was, and I, maybe that's true. Like you, you do something because you have to, because you're, you know, it's like it's either like eat or die. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. so maybe that maybe that's what it is. I don't know. So did it hurt? Did it affect you that your dad wasn't part of your life during your adolescence? Uh, pro- yeah, yeah, it did. Um, I mean, there's a, what is that? What is that? I don't know who. It, maybe it's John Lennon. I can't remember. Someone said something once that every rock star is just someone screaming daddy look at me or something like <laughs> it's that it's true i mean like something like that you know i'm paraphrasing it i'm sure but uh, you, you <laughs> why did he decide to come I back to your a, life there's a, oh well i'm sure he felt a lot of guilt there's four children there yeah. you know and so i mean i you know um family dynamics are are a crazy thing and people people come out of all kinds of situations we don't even you know we don't even know so I just, I don't know why. I don't know why he's, I'm sure he just, I don't know. Did your, did your mom, did it, did it like affect how you loved? How I loved? Well, yeah, I think it affects, I think having a parent, I mean, I, you know, I had, I'm a child of a, I guess you can call it a broken home. That's what they call it. A child of a broken home raised by his mother, single mother, dad comes back around. There's a certain amount of, um, I'm the eldest. So, and there are roles that every psychologist would say that, that there are roles that children take on in those situations. Uh, the eldest generally feels responsible for everything. And it, I, I, you know, I was in like a little bit of therapy for a while. And that, that's a common thing when the eldest feels like uh, when parents split up, like the eldest goes, oh, fuck, I did something wrong. It's me. I didn't, I didn't clean my room enough. I didn't blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. There's all that. And that's all very real. But I think for me, like the, like when that, that happens and then the parent dies, like I have to have a, you know, my dad came, he, he had cancer and he came, we, he died fairly quickly. He needed a place to go. So we, I brought him into my house and I had him, uh, pass away in our living room. Shit. And um, I remember feeling like that's what you that's what you're supposed to do for your parents, no matter what. Yeah. And um, and that's true, I think. And uh, there's I don't know. It's it's you experience you experience things those kinds of things like a very, uh, 
I don't want to say, I mean, I guess it's kind of traumatic, but I don't want to use the word traumatic because it's like, there's something about those kinds of experiences that you know that everybody else is going to have to do sometime. Yeah. At some point, you're going to have to lose someone that you love or, or, or even someone that's, that's blood to you at some point. Uh, no one gets a pass on that. And so that fact uh, makes a little, you know, brings you closer to humanity, I guess, to what you really are. You know, were you resentful when he came back into your life? No, because I was I, you know, I had a my relationship with my dad is is different than my my siblings, I think, because I I actually lived with my dad after high school. Uh, I graduated early. I wanted to get the hell out of high school and um, go live my life. And, you know, that, well, to continue this, our, my story, I start I uh, I started playing like a little uh, what was that place called? A little biker bar in on San Juan. Harlow's? No, 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 no. Um, by, real, real biker bar. Timeout Tavern. It's called. And uh, I remember playing. I remember playing there before I was twenty-one. Like Tuesdays and Thursday. Or no, that was the Torch Club. Tuesdays and Thursday nights. I play like Wednesday nights or something like that. And I, would, you know, I would just sit in this biker bar and sing sing every Hank Williams song. And Bo Diddley song or whatever that I knew, and I'd try and slip in my own songs, you know, to see if anybody got pissed off. And if they didn't get pissed <laughs> off, I figure I figured that those are pretty good because they fit, you know, like right along. It's like no one noticed anything, right? So you're like, oh shit, okay, that's pretty good. You know, that must have sounded like a Merle Haggard song. <laughs> that's yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> I mean, work. it work. That'll work, you know. And so, like, um, what the hell was I talking about? I'm sorry, man. I, no, your dad. I do, and you're talking about living talk, with your I do dad smoke after 2000. I smoked this morning. <laughs> it's okay. Um, Me too. I'll smoke with you, bud. So we're on the same level. Uh, um, uh, no, you're uh, talking, about talking about moving into your dad's house after high right, school. After, you graduated. So school, that's right. We're talking about my dad. So after high school, I um, I graduated early. I graduated a semester early. Uh, and I just got the F out. I wanted to play music. I didn't, you know, I, I was working at day job at... Uh, at the Home Depot, and I was um, trying to play gigs at night, just doing the coffee shops, doing the open mics uh, down in Sacramento. There's a True Love Cafe. I don't even know if any of these are still there. The um, Fox and Goose, Harlow's, like you said. Uh, this this joint I was telling you about, the Time Out Tavern, which really wasn't in downtown Sacramento. It was around like this, the sort of the seedier suburbs. Um, I would play there, and I was living with my dad in his apartment, um, and so I guess what I was saying is my relationship with my dad is like, we, we had a rekindled a bit and had a bit of a, more of an adult relationship because I'm old, I'm the oldest, I'm older than my sister, my sister's 10 years younger than me. So my dad, I, their, their thing is, I'm sure is whole is different. And I mean, when, before he passed, I definitely had a sense of like, I made peace with the whole scenario and like, okay. Did you have is, closure? I, yeah. I did for me. Um, it's not like I'm, I'm able to talk about this stuff because it's like, I, I can kind of see it. Like, I mean, I'm 40 years old. Like his dad died when he was 10, yeah. you know? Shit. And it's like, you know, I, it's like, I, I have a beginning to a song where it goes like my daddy's dad died when my daddy was 10. I think about that fact every now and then. And it, you know, and I <laughs> yeah. keep like, it's, it's, I don't know, man. It's like hope, like, well, because I have kids now, and I go, "Fuck, dude, what if I die when I when my kids ten? Yeah, 
You know, like that shit. I think about that all the time now. And it's what like, is de- but I'm sure everybody, every parent does. Do you have, do you have kids? I, not that I know of. I hope. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I think I, <laughs> That's I a think, bad answer, dude. <laughs> no, I don't think I have kids. No, no, no. Um, but like, it's like, yeah, like going back, like, were you, a, you were basically the father figure for your siblings. Sort of. I mean, that's sort of like, again, that's sort of the role thing. I think that I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not going to play armchair psychologist on this one, but like, just cause I, you know, I lived through it and, and like I, for better or for worse. And I guess for me, for better, cause like, yay me, I have a family of my own now and I'm relatively comfortable. You know, I'm not like my kids aren't for want of any Thing that I know of yet, yet one's only three and one's only six months and there's plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, so, but, you know, but it's like, I joined the ranks of all the parents who've come before. And it's like all those, all the things that you, you hear them worry about and you, and I maybe have sort of like looked side-eyed at is like, now you, it looks you square in the face and you're like, Nope, that's real. Yeah. You can worry about that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> you, like you have so. a new record out, right? You're cut, putting out a new sort record. Of. I'm, I'm, I'm working on stuff. You know, I did with the, since the quarantine thing, I, I did, uh, I did some live stream shows almost every Sunday, the last, this last year. And I'm going to probably continue to do them probably maybe less often, um, as things start opening up. Um, I made a CD out of that and, out of like the best of those performances. And I just pressed up like a thousand of them. I'm almost sold out of them. It's unbelievable. People are like, people are, people really, I don't know, just you do the, I've been doing the, just a donation thing and our fans have kept the lights on and fed my family. And it's It's like, fucking sick, bro. It's fucking sick. It's unbelievable. People are just, people love music. And it's just like, it makes me, it, I just tingle because it's, it's, it's what I've always just wanted to do. Like, I don't really care how it gets done. You know, yeah. I just want to be able to like do my thing and have, and have people enjoy it. And, um, and I mean, God bless it. It's like my wife used to yell. She's like, why are you buying all this recording equipment for your studio? What are you doing with all that? I'm like, ha ha. I can gotcha. use it now. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> Was this the hardest like year for you? You think like not being able to get, cause you're, you're, I mean, you are a songwriter, but you make your living on the road. Totally. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of us, Mayor. I think that was tough for a lot of people to not just from the financial aspect. But I would say for me, though, I mean, we had a baby this year. So we had my son was born in uh, Aussie, was born uh, in in August, late in August. And, um, you know, we were preparing for that. And so it's like this last year, 2020, a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff we were just like eh, and we just kind of were focusing on this, the pregnancy and the birth and because it's just like what the hell else are we gonna do you know yeah. it's like so it's like I, i'm kind of like if there's a time to be at home you know what i mean like good time as any for me so so it's kind of like fate that you were home during this year a little bit yeah a little bit i mean i, I yeah it feels a little feels a little bit like if there's a the universe is directing me in a, in a way it's like, that's a pretty good shove, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's like when you build your, when you build your relationship or your marriage with your wife off of what you normally do, you know, being on the road all the time, was it hard for you to like transition into being a, 
every day. I mean, you probably are every husband, but you know what I mean? Just inside yeah. a room together every day. How hard was that? No, it's It's still hard. It's, um, you know, especially having the two, having the two kids, I'll say this. And I, and, I, and it's like having one kid is incredibly easy <laughs> compared to having two. Tell me about because it. it's like, and I, you know, I don't, I don't say that lightly either because when I, we only had one, sometimes you're like, this is impossible. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and having, and what you realize is that, that you're just elastic. You just expand. Your love expands. And, uh, that that's, that's all that happens. Your capacities expand. Your capacity for tolerating nonsense expands with some, you know, with some with these children when they're yours, you know, and yeah. it's just like other people's kids are like that little brat, you know. <laughs> but when they're your kids is different. It just yeah, is. Funny. And um uh so I, I you know, I've always liked kids though. Like I, we you used to do this concert in Sacramento for the uh uh, for, uh, for Fairytale Town, which is like a, a children's, like a, it's got like a little zoo and it's like a, a mother goose kind of playground park. Anyway, we used to do this uh, uh, benefit for them and it was like a bunch of kids, like parents could, one show a year, parents could bring their kids and they would just let them loose. They'd run around everywhere and it was actually really fun because like they would just, kid, little kids, like five-year-olds would just run up to the stage and just run back and it's just like people would let them, you know, and they're not, because they're, you know, it's a kid's show. It's actually pretty fun. So I've always, I've always enjoyed kids. Um, but the, it, I, always the hard knew, part. I always knew that I wanted to have my own. That's yeah. the other thing that might be different. A lot of, I think, I mean, there was definitely a time throughout my twenties and thirties where I was like, I, maybe in my twenties where I'm like, there's no way I'm ever having kids, but pretty, pretty shortly after, you know, I was like, I got to be real with myself. I, I want to have a family, you know? Go back to this 20 to 30 year old mind state. So when you're thinking that you didn't want to have kids, like what was going yeah. on? Were you just like always on the run? Were you just having always on the run? Not like at that time, night stands, like, always like, what on was the it? run. Like, yeah. Like chasing girls, like, you know, uh, always having like, you know, always having like different numbers in your phone. And like, you'd never know, like, the last names of certain, some people and like that, it was like that. You get, you get kind of get intolerable of yourself, you know, that it becomes ridiculous. You know, by the time you're 35 or whatever, you're like, God, what an asshole. And you're like, you're like, and I, and it just doesn't, it's not even that satisfying. It's not even that fun. And it's just like, you know, it's just, what do you want out of life? And so you start, I, or me, I start to think, Oh man, I want to have a family. I want to, this is, I could, I could do this for the rest of my life, but really? Like, I think part of the thing though, honestly though, is when you're in your 20, like when you're young like that is like, you don't feel that stable. I didn't have a house. I didn't have a, you know, yeah. I didn't have a, I had a one bedroom apartment and you know, it's like, it's like <laughs> yeah. that's, you're, you're pretty on, I, I was pretty on the go, you know? And did that burn you out? Well, not at the time. I mean, that's kind of what we're saying. Like in, when you're that young, you feel like you can do it or I did. I felt like I could do it forever. Same. I think by the time I got into my 30s, certainly my mid-30s for sure, I was like, okay, I was I was feeling the the uh domestic domesticated bug. Is that a word? Yeah, that's, that's a word. I'll take yeah, the word. Like, <laughs> Let's yeah. I'll take that word. Let's go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was I was ready to be domesticated. That's yeah. what I was looking for. <laughs> 
Did you have like um, a bad situation happen or like, did no, you, was no, your career I just, going I, down or up? I mean, or? I just think I always come, I, like I, I may have, I've always come from a, a, a place of being like sort of realizing that this is, you know, this rock and roll road life is not, can't really be sustainable forever, you know, like in that way, yeah. in that way, like in the cliche ways that we're sort of, <laughs> we're sort of reminiscing on. How many shows were <laughs> you doing during that time? I mean, we would do a hundred shows a year. Jeez. You know, we could, I mean, maybe not that, I mean, that'd be a, that'd be a lot. I'd say probably be, no, a hundred shows a year. Yeah. Cause that's like eight months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot, dude. It's a lot. So what were you singing I mean, about? My back hurts just thinking about it. My back <laughs> is killing me. Well, okay. Just thinking about it. As a songwriter, like I consider you one of the dopest lyricists on the planet. Like Aww. you are, I'm, I'm a huge fan of you, Jackie, and I've always been. Aww, thanks, and I want to, what were you, what, what were you singing about? at that 35, at that breaking point, turning into domestication? Like, do you remember the type of songs yeah. you're writing? Well, Tell I, me about them. I mean, I, I was, I, I do remember, because that's also around the time that, you know, like my dad passed away. And so I have a, an album called Back to Birth that came out around, right around that time. And, and um, I mean, that's what the song Back to Birth is about. It's is what I'm saying in that song. It's the song is about a man who's dying. And he's, he's saying, don't worry, I'm actually just about to be born again. I'm going back to birth, is what he's saying. And he's trying to tell his loved ones to not to not fret. I've I've lived to my fullest, and I'm about to do it again. Is what he's. There's a big sort of circular sort of thing, and all the songs on that record have a, in my mind, have a little, have sort of that general theme to it. So uh, a lot of the stuff that I was, you what, know, what I was general? About, go back to that again. What general theme? A, a theme of a of a of a completing a circle, of a circular theme something something that comes back around um um there's a lot of songs on that record the back to birth record it's i don't know i'm trying to say that on on your podcast you know, in the best way i don't know how to say that you know circular it's circular no, no, man. that totally like makes sense i mean like it's like a circle dude the process anything is a full yeah. process if you want to give it to it and so with that being said like what do you think about death oh well what do i think about death uh, I think that it is, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be, let's put it this way. I, I practice a thing called, a uh, thing called transcendental meditation, TM. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the things that you, that, that I actually, you know, who got, uh, do you know Joe Russo? Oh yeah. Drummer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he got me into it uh, years Howard and years Stern ago. Too, I think he, I think he quit smoking with it. I think. Yeah, FYI, I don't know. Just Tell the listeners what it is first and before you go into it. <laughs> Transcendental meditation. It is a um it's something you gotta pay a lot of money to know. It's <laughs> it's basically a meditation technique where you 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 say a mantra in your mind over and over again. And and the the long and short of it is you find you do it twenty minutes twice a day. And the long and short of it is is that if you if you just sort of commit to doing it, even if you don't think that you're doing anything uh beneficial for yourself, just doing the process of doing it, you'll, you'll kind of realize one day after you've been doing it for a month that like your attitude has gotten a little better. You know, your spouse might be like, Hey, you know, you're a little less, less of a prick these days. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it, it, it is, it is helpful. So, um, and, and basically all you do is, um, well, you can, you, I mean, you can look up, you look up YouTube's on it. You, yeah. you repeat your mantra over and over. You don't, you sit and you, you know, you breathe normally. You're, 
you don't have to, you're not supposed to lay down, but you don't have to like be uncomfortable or anything. You don't have to sit in a, some weird position, you know, or anything like that. You can just sort of be comfortable. And I, I did it in, in living in New York and always being on the train. And so I'd always, I'd put some white, white noise in and, and in my, and just, if I have to be on the train for 20 minutes or whatever, I would just do that. And that's, that's how I learned how to do it. And I'm sorry, man. What, what did it teach you about? about death? You're saying that transcendental. Right. I was, what I was going to say is, okay, what I was going to thank you for keeping me on track. What I was going gotcha. to say is that now sometimes I would say that, oh, I'm not worried about death. Death is a part of life. Yada, yada. I'm, I'm afraid of dying. Who isn't afraid of dying? I have children. Yeah. You know, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, of course I am. And so, yeah, that's a very like, re- there's that. But when I'm doing the meditation thing, it's like one of the things that you, one of, the, one of the feelings that you get is that really nothing matters. None of this matters. None of it. Not your children. Not any, and it's just like, it's a very deep place to get to. Um, but it's helpful. It's okay. Helpful. If nothing matters, how is that helpful to you? Well, because if you're in this, if you're in that spot, and you're in that spot of let's call it relaxation, then you could, you're completely letting go of your own your own ego and your own mind. And it, I mean, I can't really explain it unless you no, that do makes the sense. practice. If you do the practice, then I mean, it's not it's not it's not that it. Look, I mean, you snap out of it when your 20 minutes is done yeah. and then it matters again. I'm just saying, like... What were you, know? you um, letting go of from your ego during those 20 minutes? Oh, hell, if I know. I mean, if I knew, if I knew I'd be doing a different job. I'd be <laughs> make, like, if I, are you kidding? Like, I, we, the last person we know is ourselves. Yeah. You know, it's like... I mean, I think that the man who truly knows himself is like, you know, God bless you, because... <laughs> I, I think I know myself pretty well, but sometimes I, I realize it's just not so. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you go into these realizations where you think you know yourself and then you don't, is that ego? Could be. I don't know. The ego that thinks you know yourself and then the, and then something else. You know, I hear people that have the, you know, they go on these ayahuasca trips and they have reports sort of similar kind of kind of uh self-realizations i don't know if you i don't know if you've ever i've never done it but i've i've, I've talked to people you, you, who've done yeah you've it, heard yeah. the you've heard the talks and i mean i imagine that there's probably a, a, a um a relationship between the meditation something in your brain and and um whatever these substances are that release or whatever they do i don't know either mm-hmm. you know um but i imagine i imagine there's something there and it has to do with our consciousness and probably something we don't know a hell of a lot about or at least i don't <laughs> yeah you know? same. Like, i don't you know i'm just happy enough to like i you know see i i'm like oh honey those are pretty coffee mugs that you that you got and but the coffee thing doesn't fit over the top and that really upsets me <laughs> like that's how simple i am <laughs> like that's what i think about like, even with the, your career the pour over thing it, it's like too small for the top of the thing and it, uh, <laughs> do you overthink your career I used to all the time. I used to all the time. And I think that's the best lesson for me for having kids. I'm coming into this point where it's like, now I have a singular focus. It's like, I got to keep them alive. You know, and it's like, whatever I, whatever I do, it's like, whatever I do is going, that's the first purpose of it is going to be, I think whenever you, whenever we want to criticize other people, we should ask whether they have children. <laughs> it's like it's like maybe what they're doing is for their kids. Yeah. Know? No, totally. So what 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 were you doing it for before children? I was running around 
man, I was lighting things on fire. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. I would do too, man. Yeah, I was just I was just running around like trying to trying to do music, trying to like, you know. I mean, I still like I still want to tour. I want to play music in front of in front of uh people in person because I think there's a you know, I'm I'm you get it. There's a vibrational aspect that that happens obviously that is like you know stood the test of time so it's it's you know the live stream thing is fun but it's it and it's it's close no cigar yeah <laughs> yeah i mean you need that interaction like how important you the interaction, is, yeah. how important is interaction to you it's well it turns out it's very important very very important um it helps a little, you know, when I do some of these live streams, I'll have a, I'll have a zoom thing open and I'll have about you know 30 or 40 people in there that can dance and whatever, and, and they can see each other and they can see me. And that's somewhat helpful because mm-hmm. then it, otherwise you're just singing to a damn computer screen. Yeah. And then it's just like, wow, this is, this is horrible. <laughs> I mean, this truly <laughs> is terrible. Yeah. And so that helps. I'll say it helps a lot because it does help a lot. Um, at the end of the day, it's like, man, those people, the people in, in the flesh are so important, you know? And, and, um, I mean, for them too, I mean, to, to be with their buddies and to, you know, the, the culture of going to a live concert for like, my wife is, uh, you know, she, she lived, she lived in New York for, I don't know, 10 years. And I lived there for four years with her and she, she loves fish. So she, she's been to God knows how many times, you know, fish plays whatever uh, Madison Square Madison Garden. Square Garden. She's been to like what do they call the base ba- Baker's, Baker's dozen? Uh, Baker's. She's been to like almost every one of those damn things, <laughs> and it's like she, her friend. They go, and I get it. Like you know, and it's to the. It's like you know, I would just before we had kids, so I didn't have to watch kids. But when, even when we had our first daughter in, in uh, Luca in New York. Uh, I just I'm like she's got to go. She's got to go to this show. I'm going to stay at home and watch watch this. You know, baby, <laughs> just give me the bottles. Fine, like I get it. I totally get it. So, um, it's so fascinating how we change like that. Like, did you that point when you're talking? I want to go back to that record, your record at 35, the full circle. Did you feel like your old life has come to an end? Um, no, not necessarily. Well, I mean, I definitely think there are like in the totality of somebody's life, like when you, when you're 90, let's say you're lucky enough to live to 90, you can definitely step back and, 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 and break your life up into chapters. I think you can do that. Any, any person who's, who's wise enough can, can look back and, and realize what led to what, but in the moment you cannot do that. Yeah. Right. Because you don't know what the outcomes of anything are. So I think that like, to, for me to say that, like, this is the, at that point, this, my life is different. I don't, I don't know that I've ever felt that way. I always sort of live. I'm I'm always living in 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 the moment where I am. I could say now, looking back on it in that record, I can say, yeah, sure, my life has been different from that point on. So <laughs> you you're, know what I mean? You're a pretty but present I, dude. Yeah, I'm I'm clear and present, baby. So it's like, or I try to be. So it's like, I think that, um, I don't know, man. I don't I, I don't. At the time, I didn't, I didn't, I don't feel that at all. I'm just making something in the moment for the sake of making it. It's what I'm doing right now, or at the time, it's what I'm doing. It's the songs that I have. It's what I've got. This is it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, and, and, you, and you spit it out there and you move on. How important is legacy to you? Well, everybody has, well, I guess, okay. Let's just say this. I would say that 
I used to think about legacy in terms of what, uh, in terms of your work. And it turns out that maybe legacy isn't, isn't necessarily always that it's like, it's, it's the work that you, you know, your children, you know, it's like, that's a legacy too. Mm. And, um, in terms of, in terms of like music, um, I had, you know, there's, there's, when I was a lot younger, there was time I had, you know, I wanted to be a big rock star and like, you know, I had ideas of what that was and I don't have those same ideas anymore. Like, I think that I, you know, I used to have the idea that rock star acted a certain way and had a certain amount of success and was, and was on the cover of these kinds of magazines and had this, this, and, and, and like, I don't think about, I don't think that way anymore. I don't, I don't care. What changed that? that? Life. I don't care. Like it's, um, I, I'm happy to be on a cover of somebody's magazine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I, but I don't, and, and that's in yay. That's, that's good. Every, uh, but when, when I had, when I had these kids, you know, I, when I had, we had our first daughter and now that we have our son, um, that shit is so important that like, I, I don't know. I don't care about any of that other stuff that much. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I, I'm not saying I don't, what am I saying? I'm saying I, I'm saying I dislike it or anything. I'm just saying like my pro, my priorities are really the family, you know? Do you think your kids saved Genuinely. your life? What's that? Do you think your kids saved your life? No, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I was on the, I don't think I was necessarily on the road to ruin or anything. I think uh-huh. I was just, I, I, I think, you know, I think, you know, have you ever talked to Anders? Yeah. Osborne. Oh yeah. All the time. I you used to talking about his drinking. Oh yeah. And I taught, ta- t- we text each other every day. What we're grateful for the AA yeah. thing. I yeah. think, I think that's uh yeah, I think he, he would, he'd be a better person to talk to. About. I think he was probably more on that than, than I was. I, I think don't know I, why I've been, he thought that you were like some big alcoholic. Or something. No, no. I, I have been more blessed with, uh, no, definitely not alcoholic. I mean, I, I had been more blessed with being around people who are older than me. Musicians like who, like who? Anders, like Anders, Anders, Bob, and and Chris, Chris Robinson, people like that, who and people who have been older and and have have watched and have had heard their stories, and that I'd never, I mean, I never really got out of control, you know. Do you have a good no, relationship never, with Chris Robinson? I do, yeah. Mm-hmm. What um, what he teach you about life? <laughs> I'll tell you this much that man can go on stage <laughs> that dude can go on stage after eating like a bag of mushrooms and like like drinking whatever and then like smoking something I don't even know what it is and then I'm looking at it, I'm playing guitar and I see his eyes are just I don't know how he's not crawling out of his skin right now I'm like you're keeping it together you're keeping it together unbelievable I mean I could never do that, that so what, you, couldn't, you couldn't get fucked up and do your gig no, no, I never, the most fucked up I'll get is like, I'll smoke, I'll smoke weed, but mm-hmm. I, I couldn't get like, I don't, that's the other thing, man. I'm not really like, I never really got into, I never really got into cocaine. I never got into anything. I mean, I kind of, I liked to, I liked, um, what it was Xanaxes, but yeah. not, you know, I mean, for me, honestly, to be honest, it's just like, and I, I grow some cannabis, mm-hmm. you know, and so, 
Um, I like to grow my own. I like the whole aspect of it. I like growing my own stuff. I also like just gardening. I mean, I could probably talk to you about gardening for like three hours, dude. I, <laughs> I got fruit trees in the backyard. I'm learning how to graft, um, graft fruit trees. What do you like about um, gardening? Brings me closer to God. Yeah, Tell me about yeah. that. Well, uh, you know, if you're, I don't, do you do any, well, you live in Colorado. Now. I live in Colorado. Yeah, no, I know. All my grow, trees are fucking Do you grow dead. any cannabis plants? I um, mean, no, see, I don't have a green thumb, but I love watching, but like going back to it. So like, do you think having a kid slowed you down or did you think having a kid made you write better songs? Well, that remains to be seen, but uh, <laughs> I think, I definitely think having a kid just by just because it has to, it has to slow you down because you're, you're, there's a, it's a requirement for the, for the baby to survive. So you have to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, you know, and you got, you realize that like that, you realize that like that baby for a long, long time needs mom, like it's got a nurse and like, you got to be there to support and you got to be there to, you know, provide resources and then, and that kind of thing. And so it's like your role becomes very clear, you know, and you're like, Oh, time to go to work you know yeah <laughs> and it's just like and for better or for worse that's kind of what that's that's what it is um i think you know all of those people too by the way have kids anders has kids you know chris has kids and so i think that i think that's a that's a pretty good unifying factor like you you can talk with people who have other guys who have kids other parents musicians who have kids and be like man you know I mean, I, I want to talk to to Phil about having because you, you look at Graham and uh, Graham, it, the, the, his kids are so awesome. There's just such good kids. Yeah, Graham's and the it's best. Like they, dude. You know what I mean? And it's just like I, I remember thinking that before he even ha- had his had a band and just like when he was younger and just still like in college. I'm like, he's a really good kid. And I'm like, this is these are kids of uh, who grew up on the road of fucking Grateful Dead. You know, it's yeah. like <laughs> it can be done. It can be done. So that gave me, you know, at the, I remember that giving me a lot of hope when I was talking to my, who was then just my girlfriend, now my wife, we we're talking about having kids. We we're like, how do you have kids on the road? And I'm like, well, look at, look at Phil. <laughs> you know? yeah. like it, look at Graham, Graham and Brian. They're fine. They're great. They're great kids. And so, but what you realize is that, and you, that kind of becomes a model, like in your mind, a sort of a high, high placed model. And you realize that people all over the world have kids. And they do fine a lot in all kinds of situations and life just happens and like you can do it. Like, and so do you overthink the future being so present? Do I do what? Do you overthink the future with this being so present? Do I overthink the future? Oh, I don't know. I don't think I, I don't know. I don't think so. Because if we like, if you think about like, how are we going to do this? But you live your life presently. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of contradicting. Like maybe you already knew the answers. You just wanted to see it through your, the people who inspire you. It could be. Yeah. I mean, it could be that there's a deep knowledge that particularly when it comes to familial family kind of stuff like that, where it's like, man, it's probably, it's in you. It's like, you know, you already know how to do this. It's sort of there, like when the, when the babies come and it's like, you're, you have these moments where you, we take, I remember driving, we're in New York and we're taking this perfect little baby home from the hospital. It's like, she's like 48 hours old. We throw her in a yellow cab <laughs> and, and it's just like, welcome to the world. And 
And the guy, it's like, it just happens to be that the guy's the worst driver. And it's all we want to do is get, we're, all we want to do is get home. And he doesn't know how to get to, to Clinton Hill. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? It's like the, it's the one time we, you know, like we want this, the straight and narrow driver, just get us there. It's, he hits every bump in the thing. And it's like, you know, I'm thinking to myself, that's life, dude. Yeah. Like, that's it. It's like, and, and then you realize, and you, you realize like people make it work and everybody's winging it. Everybody, yeah. your parents winged it. You're winging it. I'm winging it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's And beautiful. it's like, that's it, man. And it's like, I want to go back yeah. into this. Like, is that, okay. So with that being said, you know, this idea that you need to be closer to, you love being closer to God, whatever the God is. If it's, mm -hmm. if it's uh, gardening, if it's seeing the love with your kids. I mean, mm -hmm. tell me about this. Tell me about this idea of closer to God to you. Okay. Well, I, I kind of, I mean, I think, um, I, I think that when, so when you're gardening or, you know, you're out there, you're, you're doing a lot of things like, well, you're making a lot of sacrifices. So if you've ever, if you've ever like, um, thinned out a carrot bed you realize that you're going to get rid of a lot of plants you're killing a lot of things yeah and you start to think about like l what life is and how life emerges out of i mean you think about sperm like how much of it does it take to it just takes one yeah just takes one one lucky one and it's like that's the one i don't know i just i just think about gardening and it's like when you're at the end of your road and you're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and you're going through the tunnel and you're and you come out the end of the tunnel how do you know that you don't just come to a hill and there's god weeding a carrot bed you know what I mean? yeah. it's like it's like i just there's something about it that's it's like it feels um it feels like something that you're that i'm supposed to be doing i guess like i'm i'm like and there's a lot of aspects to it you're like kind of i work in you know work in the land a little bit and like I got myself a rototiller. I'm just, I don't know, man. I'm into it. And it's just like, maybe there's, just this, there's a spiritual thing about being outside and being and growing things. I think is, you know, I've, I've gotten pretty good at it over the, over the years. And I really enjoy it. I enjoy, I don't know. Have you ever I, almost died? Um, yeah, I I mean it it's it's hard to it's hard to realize that I surfing um once my friend Tim Bloom when I used to live in San oh, Francisco. Yeah, Tim Bloom. Yeah. You know Tim? Yeah. Tim Tim's a pretty good surfer. Um and he had been surfing. I I I he had, was teaching me how to surf and he he taught me down at at Cowles in Santa Cruz uh, Santa Cruz Cowles Beach, a little mm -hmm. beginner beach. And I thought I was doing pretty good. I caught a couple small waves and I was stood up a few times. I was, feeling, I was having, you know, I'm not a strong swimmer, but um, I felt pretty good on that little beach. So, and then one day we went up to a, we both lived on uh, near ocean beach and we went on a particularly big day and um, he lost me out there <laughs> in the waves. And I remember just getting, fucking hammered like i could not like i wasn't strong enough to i got caught in a channel and started getting pulled out oh fuck farther to see and there's um and you know the the waves are pretty 
Tim said they were like six feet, pretty, pretty big. And you're rolling like, in there as a beginner. I'm rolling in there, and it's like uh, he found me though. He found me, <laughs> and he he dragged he and he dragged me out and saved my ass. I don't know how close. I mean, I was pretty panicked though. I have to be honest. I was pretty fucking panicked. That and another. There was two times actually, both surfing, and one was by myself. Tim saved my ass on that one. One I actually went by myself, and I got caught. Also, in a, I got caught in a channel on that one, and I eventually got pushed back to shore. But it was after I got beat up like a whole whole bunch, and I was just like, I realized like I realized that man, I'm not a strong swimmer. Like I just cannot like just dive out there and like think I'm gonna fucking go for these. Were you, you know, close go to God there when you're almost dying? <laughs> I was close to something. I mean, there's that there's a quote. I think that what it's like one of my favorite quotes. I don't know who said it, but I think it's from a World War One quote where they say, uh, there are no atheists in foxholes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, I'm like, that is true. <laughs> so did you, did you feel like you're about to give up your life? I thought so. That's that definitely the time I was by myself because I was by myself. And I remember I actually screamed out because I saw people on the shore and I remember screaming out help or and I remember being, it's so futile because you, no one can fucking hear you, man. If you're that far, if you're so far from the shore, you know, I mean, at, you know, so yeah, like man, that's fucking insane. thousand feet from the shore, you're just like, or however, you know, man, it's just like, what'd you learn from that? To not go surfing by myself <laughs> <laughs> or how precious life is precious life is. I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, that was that was before my dad passed. But then after my dad passed away, it's like you, you go through, you know, you have someone die of cancer in your, um, and watch it happen very quickly and watch somebody become very old age, 40 years in like two months, you know, right in front of your face. And you realize, Oh shit, man, life is, it is precious. Life is very precious. And it's fickle too. Cause like the gardening thing, boop, gone, done, gone, done. Don't like you. Don't like the way you grow. Gone. Done. Don't, you're too close to that. Done. It's like you're weeding. You know, weeds are alive, you know. Wow, that's a good analogy. That's a beautiful mm-hmm. analogy. So, damn. So life is like, kind of like weed Life whacking. is everywhere. It's, it's like, it's just life is what there's abundance of. What's uh, the hardest song you ever, ever came out of you? The hardest song? Not like hardest, like so hard. Most difficult like, to write? Most difficult to like put on paper, like damn. Most difficult to write? Um, well, I, you know, I think that I would always say that it's what I'm currently doing now, but I, I think hindsight will give you the perspective. So it's like, I would say probably I have a song called, I have a song called trust somebody on that record, mm-hmm. uh, back to birth we're talking about. And I, and I remember, um, most of the song came pretty easy, but this is, I remember I can, I can sort of like nail down on this one, um, this one phrase that I wanted to say in the song. And it was, uh, uh, see, it's the bridge. Uh, how would you know that you're alive? Oh, I gotta sing it actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how would you know that you're alive until you've died a thousand times? Because uh, even fools like me are wise enough to say you will have everything when you give everything away. And I, that's exactly what I wanted to say. And it took me months months to just just to fucking find and it's exactly what i wanted and so like i have a so i'm like really really add but the the flip side to that is when there's something that like i fucking really have to get done it's a steel trap it'll like boom i'll like 
fixate on this one line or whatever it is. Uh, and it's difficult, but it's like I have this weird thing where I can just like zone in on that for like a month if I need to. And so that, do, that's you, one of them. do you feel like you give too much out and not, don't save enough for yourself? What do you mean? Like that with that line, that bridge from what I heard from it was you give love to everything else, but yourself. Hmm. No, I don't. I mean, maybe I don't feel that way though. I feel like for, to me, the line is that you'll have everything like you, it won't matter. You have, if you give everything away, everything will be available for yourself. Oh, that's, like that's the point of the line. Less, yeah. less, less mm -hmm. is more. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Did so you like, and that's what I'm saying. That's exactly the way I wanted to say it. Like you have to hear it in the song and mm -hmm. the where the, where the cadence comes. And it's like, you're like, Oh yeah, that's a perfect spot for that line. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like one of those things, like when you're writing a song, it's like, you're like, man, it's pretty good. And you get to this one spot and it's just like, you kind of have something for a placeholder. Mm -hmm. And then like comes time to make the record. You still haven't fixed that placeholder. I wasn't going to allow that. I'm like, I got to fix that motherfucker. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I want that. so I want, so sometimes things like that happen. It's almost like a sports thing. It's like, you hit that ball to me, man. You hit that, <laughs> like you motherfucker, you hit that ball to me. You know, I, dude, I play in a, I have a game and I play in a, in a men's baseball league. Oh, cool. Uh, I play a uh, second base on a, on it's a hardball league with you know balls strikes stolen bases home runs the whole thing how people how fast are people pitching people throw kind of hard man i play <laughs> I, they throw i would say this i'm in the lower division league this year in the higher division league that you had cats that played triple a played double a and they're they throw 80 Holy they, throw, like, they throw slide pieces they give you they, like it's a wood bat league, man. It's, it's, you know, it's, I talked to everyone out there. Graham, everyone loves baseball. What, what is it about baseball in the North, Northern California? Well, Northern California is especially inland, like Sacramento, it's just hot, big, long, hot summers. Um, you can play, they play baseball. You can play baseball up into November, yeah. you know, and it starts or like we just started our spring season in February. So it's like, it's, you know, some games get rained out, but for the most part, like you couldn't do that in where it's snowing still, you know? So that's part of it. I think the weather, I think the other, I think that's probably most of it actually, probably the weather. <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking at your resume, dude. This is insane. Like 2012, you went on tour with Bob Weir and Chris Robinson and you did a trio. Yeah, we did a trio. Yeah, we did a trio. That was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, we named it WRG, which is, <laughs> really thoughtful you guys <laughs> we're robinson and green <laughs> bro you're that playing fun, with all man. your heroes you're in bands yeah, with all was, your heroes that was a lot of fun man we did yeah we did uh just three acoustics three acoustic guitars and i would bring like a banjo and like a mandolin so i could be like the utility guy but we did like sort of grateful dead with also like folk, old folk stuff and like blue grassy sort of old timey stuff. And I think people liked that tour. That was a lot of fun. We didn't play, we played like with that place in the, in the, I love it in, um, outside of Denver, Chautauqua. Oh, Mishawaka. Mishawaka. No, 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 no. Mishawaka is the other place. There's two places. Mishawaka is the- Chautauqua or Chateau- uh, Chautauqua, I think it's called. It's got a big wooden, it's inside. Oh no, I haven't been there. It's got a big like barn wooden. It's huge. And it's got, it sounds phenomenal in this place. Uh, maybe it's outside of Boulder. Uh -huh. Either way, that's it's close to you. Uh, that we played that place. That what place did Bobby awesome. talk teach you about life? Bobby likes to watch football. <laughs> he likes football. He likes um, man. He's a he's learned to to roll through life and take the punches too. I think it's funny because I I feel like Phil 
and Bob sort of have their personalities and they, they, I think they kind of ring true. Like Phil can be, he's very serious. He can be very serious, um, studious and, you know, ultimately an incredibly generous and incredibly like soulful, loving human being. And Bobby and, and, and Bobby can be kind of like the kid brother sometimes, you know, like you might see. And, but also like, he's a, he's kind of a dude's dude. Like I like hanging out and watching football. He's like, I'm working out and shit. Yeah. He was playing football in the, in a flag football league. I remember when I first met him, he was like, he was like busted his hip or something. He's like, he's like, man, I, as I, I was playing, I was like, "You're playing football in a in a league." He's like, "Yeah, I played down in the whatever the Marines men flag football league." I'm like, "Fucking right on, dude!" You know, and That's I was just amazing. like, "All right, you know." So yeah, it's just like, you know, there's people behind all these all these whatever personas. Like we were saying, we consume too much of the media and forget the the people too. You know. Do you feel like you're happier now that you're not so absorbed in? I'm a hundred times happier. Why do you think that? Because of expectations. Uh, not expectation. I would say that because having having the children and having you know a wife and having putting some roots down, as they say, mm-hmm. putting some of those roots down, um, really does something for you when you're ready to have it. You know, I think if you, I think here's the, you know, I would I would posit, I would posit that I, uh, if you're not ready for that, it'll do you a lot of harm because you'll feel trapped. But mm-hmm. if you're ready for that, it'll do you a lot of good because you'll feel grounded. Mm-hmm. You know, how, that's quote, how, actually. that is a good quote. I'm going to, I'm going to put that in there. How do you, how does one feel? How did you get grounded during those years of just staying on the road? Well, I wasn't grounded though. Yeah. I think that's the point. Like there just wasn't at all. And, or even if you, you know, but also I don't feel bad about that. It's just like, there's nothing. It's like you're, when you're twenties, it's like, that's what people do. It's like, yeah, that's what, you know, especially if you're trying to be a rock and roller, it's like, man, that's, like you're you're all around. I can't tell you. I mean, how many Waffle Houses have you had breakfast in? You know what I mean? Like, don't even come at me with that shit. Because <laughs> Jackie, this you know is great. I, mean? yeah, I totally get it, bro. I'm yeah. having a great time with you, man. Thanks for being on the show. Dude, my pleasure. Dude, my I want to talk about this one song. My favorite song of yours is Modern Lives. Okay. How'd that come about? I was just writing. Uh, we were in New York. And um, it was just one of those kind of songs that like, Speed is sort of like a spewed out. Like I remember, we were actually waiting. Uh, honestly, we were waiting for an Uber. My wife, we were going somewhere. I remember going to the airport or something, and it's just like I was trying to find the chorus about, uh, or I don't know. I was trying to find something. Times Square looks like a graveyard, or I was getting real cynical, or like all this modern stuff. And it's like, my God, we're waiting for a fucking Uber while we're while I'm doing this, and it's like. I remember just sort of finishing it. I actually kind of finished right. I had it on my, on the notes thing on my phone, you know, and I remember finishing the lyrics in the car, in the Uber on the way to the airport. I'm like, that's done. <laughs> it's that's, like yeah. modern lives. You know, um, whatever. You can't fool me. Your Times Square looks like a graveyard. I got a billboard for my headstone and a car home. It was just sort of one of these really quickly just came out kind of things. I'm like, that's going to be it. And I was recording, you know, I've everywhere I've lived, I've made some sort of a studio. And when we were living in Brooklyn, um, we had, we were lucky. We had a two, two level thing. And the bottom level was like a little basement with the probably about as almost as big as this little square here. 
Mm-hmm. So I fit everything in this little square, and I actually made uh, those two records. I made two EPs down there in that basement, and it's funny because it's like when I first started, like you'd hear car honks and <laughs> yeah. stuff, and alarms would go off and shit. And I'm like, man, I'm never going to get this done. I'm ne- <laughs> this is, ne- and at some point, you just give up. You just if it happens, it happens. If the car horn honks in one of the tracks, it's like, oh well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? What 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 are the what were you writing about? Like what were the lyrics like in New York versus California? Like what are you talking about in New York? Was it hard living out there? No, I think that I mean I think that I, I, my writing didn't really differ that much from my time in New York because I, you know I moved to New York when I was that was just four years ago so um, I had already been to New York a bunch played a bunch and it's like I was familiar with it and I, you know I'd kind of sort of established my own voice is mm-hmm. what I was doing. So I, it didn't really change that much. It's just the process. It's just the process for me that changed. Cause usually I'd, I'd out here before I, before I lived in New York, I'd have a lot of quiet time to myself or I could make that, I could make that happen more difficult in New York, in when I was in New York to make that happen. And also more difficult to like, I couldn't bang on the, we're living in an apartment. I couldn't bang on the drums at 11 at night. You know, yeah. you get the broomstick, you know, you get the, well, whatever, you know, yeah. so, or I guess this way. I, was in the, <laughs> I love that the, you built a studio in an apartment, dog. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So, <laughs> I mean, it's so like, I, 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 cause I've always like, I've always been interested in recording since I was a kid. Like I remember putting two tape decks together to record onto one track, the left side of one, and then bounce it to the other one as you as you overdub your voice on mm-hmm. the right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like how you do like, or you put yourself in mixtapes, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, totally. Uh, so I, <laughs> I just always been into recording. And so I'd always kind of have some sort of, some sort of recording set up wherever I was living. So, you know, and now, and like now I'm just like sitting on years worth of, of gear. And so, yeah, the room looks great. I mean, I mean look at I all these like, Neumanns you know, and stuff. And yeah, like, I got that. I started using these baffles and stuff, these sort of heavy gobos for, cause we're doing, when I have our drummer here, he's just like, he's got a, he's got a heavy foot and he's yeah. just, he's a bigger dude too. So we're trying to keep him at bay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is great, man. Thanks for being on the show. I want to do my pleasure. I want to like, okay. So like, this is the last, I have two questions, two more questions. So you said the hardship of that song, you, that bridge you wrote, um, mm-hmm. um, uh, for that full circle record. What about now? What's, what's hard for you to write right now? Well, honestly, now that the hardest thing is just, fu- is having the time. So it, it's like, that's kind of what I was saying about having the two kids. It's like one of the things is it, it, it so Ozzy's teething now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that means he's going to, he gets up in the middle of the night and he wakes up the other child, you know, and then it's sort of like, I said this on somebody, I, I, I said, it's a little bit like when the car alarm goes off and then the next car alarm goes off and then the next one you go, Oh no, here <laughs> it comes. Like, here it goes. It's going to be like this for the next two hours. feels a little bit like that. So it's a little touch and go. It's like it, when it was just the one child, it was like really easy to, to just get up early in the morning and do a little writing. But yeah. now it's like one child gets up at one time and then the other one gets up a little bit later. So you kind of want to, you kind of want to, the scheduling just messed up. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Parents will know what I'm saying. So the hardest part is finding the time. But I would say that I'm getting better at, um, 
uh, being more efficient with the time that you do have. And I think that's the parent, that's like the little parenting trick that parents will learn. It's like, man, it's like, you don't have a lot of time anymore. So the shit that you want to do, you better make sure you're efficient at doing it. So it's like, you know, you learn you how to like do that. feel like you're force so writing like, now instead of letting no, it come to you? No, not force writing, but, but actually you can do that. It's a, a, one technique is to set a timer for yourself and say you're going to write, this is something that I used to do, and you're going to write about um, something and you're going to force yourself to write about this, this thing for it, usually not an hour, like five minutes, something like that. And then you, you, you'll realize that when the, when the alarm goes off, it's like, you had, and you have to stop doing it. You have to stop writing. You'll realize like, oh shit, I had like 10 more ideas. And it starts to, that the sort of the efficiency oh, that's awesome. thing starts to happen. And you're like, cause it, at least for me, it's like, if you have like a, a buzzer, like it's like the shot clock is going, you know, it's like, man, I got to get off a good shot. I got to get off a good shot. It can't be a shitty, you can't just, you got to fucking set up. Yeah. If you got the, you know what I'm saying? Right. You can't half-ass that shit. It's, it counts. So it's like. <laughs> Damn, you really are ADD as fuck, dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? So it's like you set a buzzer for yourself. It's like, okay, like you got, and you know, and it, for me, it just starts to charge that, puts you in the hyperdrive. So you start, I, I start thinking quicker and, you know. That's fucking awesome, bro. Well, I'm happy for you. I'm I'm happy yeah, that you're balancing both lives. And I'm trying, dude. I'm doing the best I can. Well, we're, we're all, all doing rooting the best for we, you, buddy. We're um, all doing the best we can, man. I look forward to hearing uh, more music from you. And uh, I got one last question. I'll let you go on um, with the teething and, and stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do you want to be remembered by, Jackie Green? Be remembered by? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question. I hope people will speak kindly of me when I go, but at the end of the day, I hope people only will remember. Uh, only, only thing I really want people to remember is, is the songs and the music, you know, mm. like I could, you know, I would like to be remembered as, as, you know, genuinely nice dude, you know, like not, I don't want to be spoke, thought ill of like anybody else, mm -hmm. but the end of the day, man, if people, if people get some, some joy and some, if people get something out of the songs that I, that I have, then that's, that's good enough for me. That's, I'm happy with that. Well, at least you got me, bud. <laughs> I, Thanks, I, I love Thank your music you, and I love everything you're doing. And Thanks, I'm brother. just proud to see you just keep on doing it. So keep on Thanks, keeping brother. on, buddy. You as well, man. Have a great day, bud. And uh, Thanks, hit bro. me up. Uh, shoot, uh, I'll hit you up on Instagram. I'll give you my number. Let's okay. uh, yeah. let's write some songs. I mean, do you produce right, bands? Do, do you produce bands? Badly, but I mean, we could I mean, we could fucking hang out and just... I'll come over and, and babysit just... your kids and shit and we'll go write um, some songs. We'll, we'll fucking hang. We'll, 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 cut, we'll cut a track, man. Just come over. We, I mean... Uh, I can play a bunch of different stuff. You can play a bunch. Of yeah. We don't need that many. Who is fucking? No, with me and you. Out. Let's ride. All right, All I'm right. gonna shoot you an Instagram. I'll give you my number. Okay. See All you, right. man. Later, buddy. Be good. How's it going? There you go, Jackie Green. Awesome. That was great. Um, I, I really uh, learned a lot about him because, um, like I said, all I know is from his music, and I've opened him for him once, and we didn't really talk because I guess we were, you know, I was all hopped up on coke too so i was like wow jack green what's up um when i first met him, so it was good to get to know him all right guys catch on the tail end and there we have it jackie green wasn't that a great interview <laughs> it was a great interview andy <laughs> what, do you, what was your favorite part about that interview jack uh, i mean i just like about how he talked about the old school days <laughs> and like uh, Chad didn't fucking listen to it. He was sleeping in this one, too. What's up, Chad? How we doing? I'm doing wonderful, man. It's our last day here. It's like the great rejoice right now. Bro. Yeah. Like the, the We're encore. like... 
Ooh, we ballad. did it. Today's the ballad. Today's the the ballad, the on the final ballad. Yeah. Uh, this is our last day in Charleston. We've had a good time. Yes. It's been quite delightful. And we didn't get sick of each other. No, I think we did a pretty th- good job. I think we did a pretty good job. Oh, man. What do you remember most about this trip? <laughs> I don't know if I really remember a whole lot, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's crazy when you live, when you like vacation. And this feels like when you're on Folly Beach, it's like you just stay here. So everything you do is just one big blob. Like, I don't remember any key parts because we did the same thing. Yeah, it just kind of all blends together. I mean, it's like hard. Maybe because we were drunk the whole fucking time. Well, it's hard to cross the bridge. Uh, So you just kind of stay on this end and just there's like, what, five or six blocks of just Mm -hmm. bars and restaurants. Yeah. Made it to the beach at least once, though. Yeah, we made it to the beach once and we lived here (laughs) for two weeks. (laughs) But um, yeah, it was it was it was monumental, you know. I closed out the shit show, season one. Yeah, season finale, bud. Yeah, I was I was kind of crying when that shit was like uh, watching the finale. Like we put so much fucking work into it. Oh, dog! I didn't know that. Cause yeah, I, thought, I, was, I, I, did, I thought it was your allergies. <laughs> no, man, I was like looking at it. I'm like, damn, this is the last one. It could be the last one forever, you know. Wow, it was sad. And then we wrote a song. Yeah. That was the song is dope. We wrote a song with Ryan Stasick, uh, Ross, Kanika, Stu, uh, Gavin June Flamingo. Yeah, Gavin was on it. Then we had uh, Justin from Susto. We yeah. helped us structure it. It was a Charleston song. Hang. Matt Zutel killed it. Yeah, Matt Zutel killed it at Coast Records. That's that's my mo- that's my mojo for the next month, bro. Yeah, just writing a song. I'm going to different towns and writing a song. And trying to record it. Heck yeah, bud. Finish it up. But uh, it's been fun, Chad. I'm going to miss the fuck out of you. Yeah, dog. I'm ready to have some alone time to beat off and stuff. Yeah, dude. Go go hang your stalactites, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but I had fun, and I love you, buddy. Love and, you, too. Uh, every vacation. So when's our next vacation? Where are we going to? Uh, I think maybe we do some Puerto Rico in Puerto July. Puerto Rico! <laughs> in July. Brian's going to hate that, but... It's okay. He should come with us, dude. Yeah, he Schwartz, stop working for one week and come party with your boy. Yeah, you need to release your wiggles, bud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm ready to get back to Denver, though. Yeah, I'm ready to go home, chill. Yeah, you're going so, to Dallas? Going to go to Dallas. I got a lot of stuff coming up over there. You got there. shows? Yeah, we got some shows coming up. Spoonfed's kind of writing some new music. Uh, we've been doing this off fuck gas thing and just getting all kinds of gigs and other things. Everybody's coming back, dog. Coming oh, back. music is coming back. So uh, drink, hi- stay hydrated. Um, yeah, we did a lot. We made a music video for Drinking in Charleston. We we did the season finale and the last episode. Yeah. We worked, the and then we wrote a fucking song. Live pre-shows too, yeah. And the pre-shows and while drinking. I'm gonna clap for Woo! us, dude. We are multitasking while drinking out here, but I am taking a week. So, all my Denver friends who listen to this um, podcast, please uh, don't invite me to the bar because I will say yes, <laughs> and um, I need to just kind of sponge out my liver. So, if you want to go play board games, Bruza, I'm down. Dave, I know you're listening to this. Let's play some board games. But um, that's it, everybody. Our Charleston stint is over. Back to real life. Red Rocks. Getting ready for the road for Red Rocks. I'm about to work out every day and yeah. sing my ass off. You ready? May You're 27th, playing? baby. May Let's 27th. Go. Buy your tickets, y'all. It's going to be special. We got 
so many special guests. I don't even want to. It's just going to be amazing if uh, you want to take a trip for. Is it Memorial Day or Labor Day, May twenty seventh? I think 27th? that's Memorial Day. If you want to take a trip for Memorial Day, come to Denver, and let's have a ball. But finally, last but not least, do you have that last encouraging thing to tell the podcast listeners while? before they hear from you again. Maybe in Puerto Rico, we'll do some live podcasts. But, ladies and gentlemen, to close out the show, Chad Kakuza. Good morning out there, Folly Beach. You guys look like a bunch of happy campers. Sorry we have to leave so short notice. But we will be back, bud. You can count on that. We're going to walk the five blocks and do the whole soiree, baby. <laughs> What about motivation for the people not in folly? Oh, yeah. You guys out there, not in folly. Continue your dreams. Do what you love. Yeah. Make sure that you're happy every day. Mm-hmm. And just, dude, really get out there and live it, dude. There's one life to live as far as we know in this body. Mm-hmm. Make it happen. Take care of yourself. Love your brothers and sisters and your neighbors. Drink water, too. <laughs> Have a good night. You tuned in to the World's Heavy Podcast with Andy Fresco, now in its fourth season. Thank you for listening to this episode, produced by Andy Fresco, Joe Angelo, and Chris Lawrence. We need you to help us save the world and spread the word. Please subscribe, rate the show, give us those crazy stars, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're picking this shit up. Follow us on Instagram at World Saving Podcast for more info and updates. Fresh Coach blogs and tour dates you find at andyfresco.com. And check our socials to see what's up next. Might be a video dance party, a showcase concert, that crazy shit show, or whatever springs to Andy's wicked brain. And after a year of keeping clean and playing safe, the band is back on tour. We thank our brand new talent booker, Mara Davis. We thank this week's guest, our co-host, and all the fringy frenzies that help make this show great. Thank you all. And thank you for listening. Be your best, be safe, and we will be back next week. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast as far as we know. Any similarity, drugs, or knowledge, facts, or facts, purely coincidental.